As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Soccer Show and our review of World Cup Day 5, where groups G and H enter the fray. Stadium 974 was the place to be to watch Ronaldo win a weak penalty. And late on, the consequences of Portugal would have been steeper if Anyaki Williams had properly stolen the ball from the keeper. Brazil upheld the hopes of their nation while playing a bizarre formation. Richarlison continued his hot streak and Alisson's new moustache was pretty sleek. And this World Cup may be in winter, but it was summertime for a Swiss side who'd given Cameroon a mountain to climb. And if you ever find yourself having trouble sleeping, have a recording of Uruguay versus South Korea for safekeeping. <laughs> My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me today, a man who's cooked the entire TSS gang a Thanksgiving meal, Taylor Rockwell. Incredible stuff. Thank you very much. We've, it has yet to be finished, so we'll see if it ends up being that I did cook it for you or if we end up ordering pizza. But hopefully, hopefully it ends up getting finished at some point. Uh, listen, to be warned, this episode may be very short because we can smell the cooking as yep. we record, and it smells delicious. Also, here a man's gonna, who's going to eat that entire Thanksgiving meal, in theory, Joe Lowry. Hello. That sounds good. I, what are you guys having for dinner? Nothing? Iron brew? Yeah. <laughs> sounds good to me. Tea and iron brew for you guys. I'll be eating Taylor's wonderful Thanksgiving food. I feel like Graham would take that. Like yeah. if, if there was like different versions of Iron Brew, like if we had an Iron Brew ice cream, would that appeal? Or is it just a bottle of Iron Brew? That's all you need. Well, how is tea and Iron Brew as a diet different to any other day for me? To, <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Also, Graham, listeners, Graham has multiple times today said, hard to tell if he's being sarcastic or not, that he doesn't like flavor on his food or like he doesn't like his food to have flavor. <laughs> that's a slander. You No, it is not. It is absolutely not. So I'm not sure if Graham's going to be partaking in Taylor's cooking either way. That's Graham Rodden you're hearing there. I believe having his first Thanksgiving yeah. meal today. I mean, is it similar to British Christmas dinner? I mean, what do Americans have for Christmas dinner? Is it just the same meal again? Uh, it's mostly. Like, yeah. I think like, like Thanksgiving can sometimes be the dry run for like, oh, we didn't do that quite okay. enough. This isn't quite what we were looking for. <laughs> right. And then you throw an eggnog. I think that's the, and, other, sure. the other Yeah, one. The dessert changes, I think, and yep. the beverages mm. change mm. more than the food changes. Right, so it's a dress rehearsal for a month from now. Yeah. yeah, I think I would say that. I think a lot of people are like banging their tables in frustration hearing that because many people love Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I'm definitely more of a, a Christmas dinner sort of guy. 
Oh, I love me a Thanksgiving. Graham, it's essentially like a Christmas meal, except for at the start, you'll have to go around the table and scramble to think of something you're thankful for before it's your yeah, turn Yeah, Graham, to what are you thankful it? for right now, real quick? Uh, say it in front of everybody and make it very nice and emotional. Uh, <laughs> clothes. Why do I want to say clothes? I'm we broke, we broke think, Graham two said, seconds into this show. I said last night, Ryan and I were watching a travel show and commenting on how much editing has to happen for those types of shows. And I was saying, I think my, like, ninth circle of hell would be having to edit all of the eating because there's those mics are picking up all those sounds and i feel like for graham his worst circle of hell is having mm. to say emotionally kind things or emotional things in general in front of a group of people constantly graham yes. um the correct answer as to what you're thankful for is that this sunday we're doing a watch along oh, for yes. spain versus germany in brooklyn new york at park life park life gonna be fun right it is indeed and it'd be great to see as many people there as possible spain v germany we've seen both of those teams at this tournament now that should be a good game as really far good as, as, as far as the matches go obviously it's two marquee teams but germany need the points after that shock against japan so that game starts at two the event starts at 12 o'clock we're gonna have a quiz we're gonna have uh, obviously a drink together some food together and yeah it should be fun 15 bucks a ticket um links in the description mm, sounds wonderful do you know what i'm thankful for Patreon, patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show so to be bad. more precise. Uh, I'm thankful for our lovely Patreons who've joined us on there. Joe, we're doing some wonderful content every single gosh darn day of this tournament, aren't we? We are. We've had behind the scenes videos, which I've really enjoyed. I think that's been my favorite part. And I think from the feedback we've gotten, it's been the patrons' favorite part as well. They've been really enjoying that. So it's been Graham pretending to be Unai Simon, having about as much to do as Unai, <laughs> Unai Simon as, as he did yesterday. We've had all sorts of behind-the-scenes looks at our recording setup and Thanksgiving yeah. and all that stuff. So, yeah, come come hang out with us on Patreon or in the Discord. Yeah. Or both, really. I was going to mention the Discord. So the top two the top two tiers of the Patreon uh, come with Discord access. And the Discord has been really fun. Uh, the, the memes and, and, and the, the tactical chat as well. There's a lot of insight. Yeah stuff in there as well so yeah if that sounds like your thing yeah subscribe to the patreon mm. special black friday offer as well it's going to be the exact same price on black friday that it was <laughs> yesterday so uh, look please do join us on there it was is just it, discounted to begin with that's yeah. all it is yeah. is that who we are we're the people who like you uh you say it's like 20 percent off and you look at the actual price tag and it's the yeah. exact same thing cool correct, cool, cool. Correct, i'm good correct, with that yeah. i'm good with that yeah absolutely uh, yeah do join us there and uh, on today's as we record on thursday thanksgiving day um our patreon special podcast is going to be a preview of the USA versus England. Mm, can't hardly wait. Can't hardly wait for that one. Let's get into the main event of this podcast, though. Uh, we're going to start talking about the, today's four games with Portugal 3, Ghana 2, a five-game thriller. Uh, Joe, this one was, like most of the games today, slightly pedestrian in the first half, but then it definitely came to life. First half was quiet, certainly. I, I was not terribly excited about this game coming in because... I think I tried to get Fernando Santos jailed for some sort of war crime before <laughs> this uh, this tournament started. He plays very conservative soccer in Ghana. I think are at a pretty major talent deficit relative to most other teams in the World Cup. Not all of them. They do have some really excellent players. Inaki Williams gets some playing time in this game. He starts for them. You have Andre Ayew getting a goal, which is a really big moment in this game. They have Kudush, who I think is a really mm -hmm. talented young player. He was back in kind of a central midfield role, and his job was defend, 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 and then run really fast and get forward, and he has the assist for that first goal for Ghana. So Ghana did have some things to show here, but the first half was quiet. That's yeah. been a bit of a theme of today yeah, and maybe yeah. the tournament as a whole. It's taking these teams a little bit to come alive. It's taking them you know, 45, 50, 60 minutes to really get into the game. I think there's maybe a, a reason for that is that 
teams don't want to give up points and they're hesitant to do that unless something changes. A penalty changed this mm. game and it made the second half way more entertaining. Yeah, Ghana didn't have a single touch of the ball in the opposition box in the first half. And then you combine that with Portugal being a Fernando, mm. Zan- Fernando Santos team. <laughs> and that kind of yeah. tells you a lot about mm. how the first half went. And at halftime, I was genuinely worried this might be one of the, the dullest days of, of World Cup soccer in history because we'd had the, the 1-0 game with Switzerland as the first game. Then we'd had Uruguay-South Korea, which was one of the worst games of the tournament so far. Then at halftime of this game, it's nil-nil. And I was slightly concerned we wouldn't have anything to talk about in the podcast today thankfully the second half much more entertaining that doesn't necessarily mean it was it was good soccer it was a good soccer match in fact I think both these teams are deeply flawed and it would surprise me if they went on a on a deep run obviously Hmm. that was never really on the cards for Ghana Portugal in terms of their individual talent certainly have the ability Hmm. to go on a deep run but on the basis of what I saw saw today maybe the structure and the general approach of that team is going to let them down you say they're they're deeply flawed I think I know the answer to this who is a manager you've enjoyed at this tournament so far like or what national team have you Gareth Southgate <laughs> um, that, the Moriasu okay. I guess and the changes that he made in the second half if he were managing Portugal are they still deeply flawed uh, well he's not Fernando Santos that's so my less, point less yes. flawed. that's what I'm getting at yes is that is that sort of what makes you feel like Portugal are because I think heading into it I hadn't been as down on him and therefore wasn't as down on Portugal so I thought you never know with Ghana I, as, as a US mm. fan I've learned you never count Ghana out uh, and I felt like they did have a, a lot not, maybe not a lot of talent but enough talent that yeah. I was excited about them and then I wrote this in the notes as the game went on I sort of was like oh this is why you two mm. were not excited about this game mm-hmm. so I did feel sort of uh, like in the end, disappointed by the way it played out, at least that first half. It's, it's like he can't help himself, Fernando Santos. So in, in the past, like year 2016, I would say Fernando Santos did a, a, an excellent job. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he maximized the talent that they had because that wasn't a very talented team. They won the Euros. And now Portugal have the attacking talent to be, be much uh, more uh, expansive. Shots fired at Adu, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> the second half, to give Santos some credit, he makes a change. And I think that does make a big difference. So he brings on uh, Liao just after Ghana scored the equaliser. That moves Fernandez into the middle. And until then, he'd been in this sort of weird hybrid position out wide where he wasn't really able to impact the game. And it also that change also got Leao on the pitch. Very good player, but oh, yeah. just gives them an outlet. And even things like him drawing defenders away from Yao Felix, who until the second half, I'd thought maybe didn't have the space to do anything. He obviously gets his name on the score sheet as well. So that front three of Leao and having Fernandez playing the passes as a supply line, having Felix and then Ronaldo as the focal point, that seems like a much more effective front line. So there were, to give Santos, cre- Santos credit, and I'm saying this through gritty teeth, mm-hmm. um, the change did help things. You pretty much are. It does feel like it's physically That's generally how I talk, though, so... <laughs> <laughs> Joe, I, I wasn't expecting this to be quite as even a contest as it was, with Ghana being the lowest-ranked team in the tournament, with them having a pretty inexperienced coach, with them playing a Portugal side who have a lot more weapons... Were you were you surprised by what Ghana offered at all? No, not really. I think they came out and played in a very predictable but also smart way up until the game descended into chaos after they get the equalizer mm. in, what was that, the 73rd minute. They come out in this 5-3-2 shape. A lot of teams have used a back three, back five, that, that is relatively common around the world in soccer at this point, and they defend. Now, it's not that they didn't have outlets. I mentioned Kudus earlier playing as a left-sided central midfielder. That struck me as a little bit of an irregular role, not one we've never seen him in before. We've, we have seen it in the past, but for Ajax, he plays in a slightly different position or has been this year. So they have players like Kurush, they have Inaki Williams, they have Ayu who are ready to go out on the break. But in the first half, they were 
hyper-focused on making Portugal's life miserable, which, mm. to be fair, if you play a, a somewhat competent low block is actually quite easy to do because of all the me- the reasons that Graham's mentioned. Santos is very conservative. This team doesn't seem to have a lot of ideas against a low block. So that made sense to me. What made a little less sense to me, and Taylor, maybe you have a different opinion on this, but Portugal get the penalty from Ronaldo. Ryan, you've mentioned it in your intro. I felt it was a bit soft. I think there probably is contact there. I understand the call at the end of the day. Portugal go 1-0 up thanks to Ronaldo in the 65th minute. I, at this point, I thought the game was over. Right? I thought this yeah. thing was done. Ghana now have to start pushing a bit forward. And shockingly, and I really was shocked, they get a goal. IU scores a really nice goal in the 73rd minute. I, I described Kudus getting that assist earlier. And then the problem here for Ghana is, I think at that point, you almost have to say, all right, we, we got our point back. Mm-hmm. Now it's time to bunker again. We had great success bunkering in the first half. Have them throw on layout. Where is he going to dribble to against our low block? Where is he going to go? There's no room for him to attack. I think that's the, the that would have been the right decision for Ghana. Instead, yeah. the game goes to, to chaos, really, in that second mm. half. And they're still a bit too stretched. They're too open. And it's it's one goal, and it's another goal really, mm. really uh, quickly for Portugal. And then Ghana go and get another one back in the 89th. But it really is done at that point, barring an almost yes. viral mistake from Diogo Costa. But I felt like, Taylor, they were too stretched mm. in the second half. Yeah, I, I think if you look at the way they play in the first, obviously they're very defensive. They're about keeping the shape. They're about not getting exposed or leaving those spaces open for Portugal to attack. Because uh, despite Fernando Santos, Portugal still have plenty of attackers who can do that on an individual basis, but also as a team. And, and I think with Ghana like sitting deeper, obviously they don't get nearly as many attacking opportunities, but it gives them... Certainly more defensive security so that even if somebody does lose the ball, you still have numbers around them. As they get more stretched, as they get more open, they do get that goal. But it also felt like they sort of were still as reckless on the ball. But now they're wide open. Now their space is yes. in behind. And, and both the second and third goal for Portugal coming from basically needless turnovers from Ghana that left them exposed, mm. that left them spread, that left huge gaps for very talented individuals to exploit. In some ways, Ghana deserve credit for getting back into this one. I'm with you, Joe. It felt like, okay, that's it. We can stop watching. They get back in, but in some ways they also are are sort of to blame for letting this one get away from them. Yeah, one thing I really didn't understand was why Kudush comes off almost immediately after the equalizer. Obviously, he plays a key role in the equalizer, but just his his role of the the amount of ground that he was covering in that that deeper midfield role, you take him off. I think that contributes to to all of a sudden Ghana being wide open. And I think that has to be one of the worst subs at the the World Cup so far because, yeah, both on the defensive side of the ball and the attacking side of the ball, I thought Ghana had started to find the wide areas and get the ball forward and Kudish had been a big part of that not just in terms of his passing but in terms of how he squeezes out of tight mm-hmm. spaces and from that moment on it just as you both of you say it just felt like chaos from Ghana you know what substitute I'm guessing you enjoyed but still made you annoyed which one Rafael Lau coming on because I do believe there was a moment I can't remember if you were in the room or if we heard you from a different room when you screamed play Leao, you coward <laughs> 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 which did make me very happy and was also accurate Yes, indeed. All right. More on that one a little later. Uh, with this game at 3-2, 10 minutes into injury time at the end of this game, we had oh. almost one of the craziest incidents of the World Cup, or certainly it would have been of this World Cup. Inaki Williams um, hiding behind the goalkeeper, Diogo Costa, to uh, come in and take the ball off of his feet when he uh, took uh, put it down for a goal kick. Taylor, WrestleMania 9 at La- in Las Vegas in the 90s. There was a bout between Yokozuna. I wish listeners could see how blank my face is right now. <laughs> Go ahead. Yokozuna and Brett Hitman uh-huh. Hart. Brett Hitman Hart's celebrating because he thinks he's won the match. Yokozuna comes up behind yep. and throws like chalk in his eyes and pins him down. That's what that feels like to me. 
That that is a better illustration. Mine was going to be when I think I have a great joke ready, and then I'm so excited to say it that I stumble over my own words because it almost comes off. And Yaki Williams almost gets this. Uh, Diogo Costa mm. has no idea he's there. He rolls it out. Williams comes running around, and you can see him lose his footing. I'm guessing part of that is is the ground, but it, I have to believe a little bit. It's like oh my oh god, my god, oh and then he can't quite do it. I'm sure the levels. Just I'm sure the levels love that. Uh, but but it felt like for for one second because we didn't see it live. They were showing a replay or yeah. they were showing, you know, Ronaldo's face for the 400th time. We all needed that. Uh, and then it cuts back. And so then we get that replay at the end. And and I'm so, I I think it's great that it didn't happen in the sense that, like, it would have been maybe a, an unfair way for that game to end. But at the same time, got to play their way back in. And it would have been incredible. It would have been one of my favorite moments mm, yeah. of the World Cup ever if yeah. that had happened. It would be a thing we'd be talking about for many, many, many years. The only reason I'm glad it didn't happen was I quite like Diego Costa as a goalkeeper. And I feel like if that happens to him, he's yeah. the goalkeeper who got punked at the World Cup yeah. essentially I mean it was a, it was like the footballing equivalent of the Jason Momoa uh, meme mm-hmm. crouching behind Henry Cavill yes. as he's about to <laughs> I for me like really not enjoying Ronaldo broadly speaking but especially so these days the the slow-mo of him thinking oh no yeah, this yeah. game has gone wrong if that had happened, I, that would be... I, I don't want to buy a, uh, an NFT, but that might be what I would buy of, <laughs> of him just looking horrified and sad if that had happened. Unfortunately, here we are with Portugal getting the win. Yes, indeed. And you mentioned Ronaldo and close-ups of his face. He mm. was crying in an anthem. The anthem, it means so much to him, Taylor. It of means course. so much. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. It, like, his agent told him to cry, right? Like, I feel like he is that much of a machine. Of Like, you must g- give me the sympathetic face. Like, yeah. he practices those faces in the mirror. He needed some B-roll for his next Piers Morgan interview, I think. And that was what it was going to be. Yes. And yeah. we are talking about a man who has had, like, tragedy in his personal life. So I, I should remember that when I'm sure there it is a moving moment to, to hear your anthem, to be around your teammates, yeah. to ponder what might have been. Ben, but at the same time, uh, I, I, I have my frustrations with him on a different level. Indeed. Less said about Variety that, of levels, the better. Graham, one more thing I wanted to pick up on this game. When you mentioned about Portugal maybe not making a deep run in this tournament, mm. is that a reassessment after watching this game? Or is that a thought that, because, you know, they are the kind of team who could grind their way through this thing. They, they could. I'm not ruling it out entirely, but it's not a reassessment, this Portugal team, particularly that first half. The only thing that would change my opinion is if Fernando Santos looks at that second half and how actually embracing the attack and embracing a little bit of chaos does make Portugal a stronger team mm. and then changes that for the for the next fixture and that's the way Portugal play from yeah. now on, that, then that maybe does change my opinion. But having watched this game, it's not a reassessment. Portugal were the team that I expected them to be before yeah. this tournament and I, I just don't have them in my kind of top tier of uh, maybe five or six teams. I think they're in that second tier of teams. Yep. It's a reinforcement, not a reassessment, mm. I think. All right, that's fair enough then. Let's take a quick break with Portugal top of Group H as we finish the first round of games in this World Cup. When we come back, let's talk about Brazil and their win over Serbia. Back shortly. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to our World Cup Day 5 review. Let's head to Brazil 2, Serbia 0. Um... Joe, what did you make of this one from the outset? It seems like we were a bit frustrated with Brazil, not just because of their setup in which they had no midfield, I think, or maybe five attackers, Ca- seven, Casem- seven if you count the fullbacks. Casemiro, that was a midfield. Casemiro, yeah. and yeah, Casemiro was like, yeah, good luck, Casemiro, with it, the midfield. It, it felt like this game should have been fun from the jump, <laughs> and it, it really wasn't, which is the frustrating bit. So Brazil... We all sort of had a little geek out moment when the lineup dropped. Oh my goodness, they're really doing it. It's Lucas mm. Paqueta, it's Rafinha, it's Neymar, it's Vinicius Jr., it's Richarlison, all in the same lineup. It really is Casemiro. We got a little handshake and said good luck out there. And <laughs> I think it was it was built to be fun from the jump as well because Serbia have been fun at times recently as well. So I wanted this thing to have fireworks in the beginning. It, it did not, like many of the other games we've seen recently. It took a while for Brazil to wake up. I think they needed a bit of calibrating. And they did get there eventually. I had some of my frustrations with them in the first half, though. They didn't seem to be playing with a whole lot of purpose. It felt to mm-hmm. me like Brazil were a little bit stagnant, and they weren't getting much of anything from the fullbacks. Danilo, yes, they were Brazil, right? Like it felt like that kind of attitude a little bit. At times. Yeah, can you just get out of get yeah, out of the way? <laughs> we don't. Well, we will some, but we'd rather not. I mean, it felt like Danilo. We got a Nike commercial to cut. Yeah, you come on, chop chop people, come on. Danilo would come inside and play midfield. He wasn't really providing much of anything in that space. I don't think he is the the best option to do that. Alexandro provided nothing to my eye in this game. And then you have this weird structure where it is a lot of attackers and maybe the spacing is is not quite optimal. Now, it did all sort of turn out fine for Brazil in this game. They turn it on in the second half and Richarlison scores one of the best goals I've seen in recent memory. Certainly, yep. maybe the best goal at this World Cup. Mm. Certainly, maybe that's a hot take for people. Yeah, certainly, maybe it was. Possibly. Don't commit too hard. My heart still feels for that Gavi one yesterday, so I'm, I'm, I'm split a bit between those things. But Brazil, not the most impressive team I've seen at this tournament so far. I will say they get this win. They are really one of the, the big teams to beat an actually good team mm. compared to someone like England who blow out Iran, compared to a couple of France against Australia, that kind of thing. This felt different, and it took them a while to get calibrated, as I said, but I think at the end of the day, other than Neymar's injury, which we don't have a lot more info about, things turned out fine for yeah. Brazil. It wasn't quite as wild as the lineup suggested. I think when we saw that lineup, we were all expecting just the most chaotic performance of the World Cup so far. And essentially what happened was Thiago Silva and Marquinhos get pushed into the into the central midfield area. That is the midfield, basically, in terms of having them control and having your, your platform for possession there. It was a lineup that basically said, we know we're going to play the whole game in the opposition half and we're here to win the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And I guess it worked for Brazil in, in the second half. And by the end of the second half, I thought, okay, this is quite impressive they've got clearly a lot of options I was very impressed with uh, Richarlison obviously scores that amazing goal gets two goals so maybe that's a maybe that's stating the obvious but in terms of his general play as well and just the physical presence that he gives Brazil something a little bit different I'm sure I'm pretty sure I've said this 
on the pod before, but I think a lot of fans get Richarlison wrong. I, I think it, a lot of Premier League fans see a, a skillful Brazilian and think, well, there's there's a soft-centred winger, essentially, who's going to beat a man. Yeah. I think Antonio Conte, who's obviously signed him for Tottenham this summer, knows exactly what he is. And we talked about it in the summer, I'm pretty sure, saying that Richarlison would do well in an Atletico Madrid team. And I think giving having that physical threat and that mm. poop housery, hmm. and just having someone who can take opportunities in the penalty box, which obviously he did here. I'm not sure Brazil, even someone like Gabriel Jesus, who's been excellent for Arsenal this season, he's not really that player. So arguably he's one of the most important players. And I, I am a, I'm a big fan of Richarlison. So I saw someone on Twitter say that he's the, the Brazilian Miroslav, Miroslav Klose. I'd argue he's more of a physical threat than Miroslav Klose ever was. But it's along kind of similar lines to that. And there were plenty of opportunities for other Brazilian attackers so that he's able to take both of his, including that that acrobatic kick. It, it speaks to like the form, the confidence, and the self-belief that you have to have. I wish Serbia uh, had had that level of self-belief and confidence because this is a team that can be very attacking, mm-hmm. uh, can have plenty of talent going forward. And I think there's an argument that they could have taken this game to Brazil, especially this Brazil with that formation, with that lack of presence through the midfield or defensive presence through the midfield. There could have been a surprise there, and I think even Serbia thought, mm, this is a very good Brazil team, we're going to sit off and be defensive. I think that they, they Serbia, will be a very good team in the rest of this group. I still think they make it out, but it speaks volumes to me that even with the talent they have, the ability they have, they still sat very deep in my yeah. mind, or at least played very defensively, didn't play as many of their attacking options as they could have, and I think we're kind of paid the price for it in the end. Is this a different game for Serbia? We talked about this mm-hmm. when the lineups were, were yeah. released, uh, Taylor, having watched the match. What's your opinion on Kostic if he's in that team and gives yeah. them a little bit of an outlet? So they're they're still in a, a mm-hmm. low defensive block, but they have that that outlet to to get up the pitch. Yeah, because I think, and even if you, uh, I think Ryan was pretty surprised surprised that uh, Vlaovic didn't start this game, and mm-hmm. and that is one that they tend to to change around. Sometimes it's a three four one two, sometimes it's a three four two one. But I do wonder if you have him there as a more sort of direct route one option to knock it down and he can combine with Mitrovic. And then if you have more attacking wingers, you spread the field, you make, I think you make Brazil have to think a little bit more on the defensive side than they did. More often it felt to me like if Serbia won the ball back, they're hoofing it long, they're trying something, but if it's not on, then they'll hoof it long and they're just giving the ball right back to Brazil. And I think that's a big part of what makes this Brazil team so scary is that they could take, granted, a slightly more conservative Serbia team in terms of their personnel, but they can take a team like Serbia yep. and completely control the game, right? That So Brazil weren't dominant in the first half. They weren't creating chance after chance after chance. There were a couple. Rafinha had a, a good moment that he just sort of hits a shot right at the goalkeeper. Brazil weren't dominant, but they were making darn sure that Serbia had no chances to be dominant. And Serbia made a play a part in that themselves. But that's what scares me about this Brazil team is even mm-hmm. with 87 attackers on the field, they still controlled the game quite well. I think the, their life will be more difficult, potentially even in some other games in this group if Cameroon or Switzerland have taken notice of Serbia and how little they got in the attack. But that is what really makes, I think, a great World Cup team is a team that can be a little Portugal-y in, in some ways of being more conservative and defensive when they need to be and, and just generally not opening up all the time. Brazil had flashes and elements of that, but they also had Brazil, which it felt like we saw in the second half. And that is what scares me a lot about this team. Yeah, very deep team as well. Joe, one of my predictions for this tournament was about Lucas Paqueta, whose drum I'm going to keep banging uh, in that I thought he'd be a golden ball contender in this one. If Vinicius took the spot Arius expecting Paqueta to take, who was back near the corner flag somewhere, it seemed, uh, according to TJ. (laughs) Just kidding. But um, (laughs) Vinicius... I, he, you know, I didn't think he had a great game. There was that point where he sort of kicked his own shoe when he had a chance, like basically one on one with the keeper. 
Does he do, do enough to stay in this team in that position, do you think? I, I think he did enough to not get pulled out of the team. Yes, yeah. I, I don't think he had a particularly good game. He does have that assist to Richarlison, and that was a, a nice moment. Mm. It's it, it, it was not the game-breaking Real Madrid Vinicius Jr. that maybe we've seen. I think he misses in some ways playing off of Kareem Benzema. Because who wouldn't, other than maybe somebody who doesn't want to get blackmailed. But <laughs> all things considered, I think that is a really dangerous partnership for Madrid. Mm. Richarlison is a very different type of player. Neymar is a very different type of player. They don't bring others into the game in the same way that Kareem Benzema does. Vinny Jr. is just so good. He is lightning quick. He had a couple of moments that really did make me go, oh, wow. Yeah. In yeah, this game yeah. up the left side, it's just too early for me to, to think about changing the lineup. Honestly, Ryan, apologies to your prediction. If it's going to be somebody that comes out of this Brazil team, it's probably either Rafinha or Paqueta in exchange for someone else who's going to provide some different attacking element or maybe a bit more midfield stability. Or it could be a Neymar because we don't know what that looks like and that could change the calculus for Brazil as well. I think this is one of your advanced stats, Joe. Uh, Confused slash shocked expressions of a player. Yeah. I I think Rafinha led the way in this game because he had a couple different moments, especially to start the second half, I think it was, when Serbia basically give him the ball, he's in on goal, hits it right at the goalkeeper. You can see him realize... Probably should have done way better there. There's a lot of people on that bench who could probably score that goal. Uh, and, and so, like, maybe it, it's him who does sort of, like, uh, fall by the wayside if they do want to change it up. But the other one that I think is worth noting, because I, I missed this at the time, is Neymar coming off with that injury. Yeah. We don't know the severity of that one. Graham, is there an argument that if you can't play Neymar, do you move Paqueta forward, or would you rather see them do something else? Um... It's a good question. I mean, my concern on the right side is with Rafinha. I'm just looking at who could come in for him. Mm-hmm. He is capable of kind of going both ways and so can maintains the width on the right side, which is important for Brazil with Danilo as your right back pushing into central midfield. Your options there are Rodrigo, who I guess can also go both ways, but Anthony, as a Manchester United fan, I'm sure you'll know Taylor, every time he comes inside. Yep. So you basically vacate that right side and that is linked to what is Neymar does. Is the greatest player in the world though, so we should forget of, that, yeah. Of course, yeah, of course. Anthony, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure what you do with, with Neymar. Yes, I, I, I guess it is certainly an option to push Paqueta um, further up the pitch, but then you have a question of, what do you do with central midfield? I guess maybe Fred comes in. There is a bit of a partnership there with, with Casemiro. We saw him in the second half in, in, in this game. Um, Fabinho, he's an option, but that is maybe slightly too conservative with two anchors in central midfield. So there's certainly something to think about for Chiche if Neymar can't go for the second game. But that's gonna, pres- Sorry. He's going to start Martinelli, isn't he? That, <laughs> yeah. That's going to be his defensive solution. But yeah. I'm not and I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah. I am here for it. <laughs> I think, Graham, one of the things we spoke about this Brazil side uh, in our previews was the strength of their defending as well. They had a very good defensive record in qualification. They've obviously shut out this Serbia side who have Vlavic, Tadic, Milikovic, Savic, yeah. a lot of you know players who are very strong on the continent. So do we still feel confident that they, they have the defence to take them deep in this tournament? I mean, do, do, I, I suppose, let's rephrase that. They are a heavy favourite for this mm. tournament. Has, it, has your opinion changed in any way after this no, game? No, no, it hasn't changed after this. I haven't changed my opinion on, the, on their defence just because we didn't really see them being matched up to in this game. So yes, the, the defence keeps a clean sheet, but that comes from the control that they had in the game. And when you have a team that is able to get in behind them, and there will be a team that is able to do that, that's really going to be the, the serious test of this Brazilian mm. defence. So I, I haven't changed my opinion on, on this defence, but it's, it, that's not based on any evidence from this match, really. Fair enough. Switzerland and uh, Cameroon elsewhere in the group. Any of those guys going to get behind this Brazil backline, do we think, Joe? Nope. <laughs> nope. 
Nope. Nope. <laughs> Good. All right. Brazil storming this group then. Are we all agreed? Yep. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Expert what? analysis. There we are. That's why we get the big bucks, Tater. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's look at the other couple of games that happened today. And we're going to give our very specific predictions. We're also going to take a little look around the horn. And now we've seen every team play. Back shortly. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Total Soccer Show, welcome back. Let's talk about the Group G opener that happened on this here Thanksgiving Day. Switzerland won, Cameroon nil. Brian Bolo getting Brian Bolo getting the goal against Cameroon, the country of his birth. Mm. He refused to celebrate, Graham. Yeah. So much honour. The first ever muted celebration in international football. I can't <laughs> quite recall seeing one of those before. Yeah, what, what did you think of this game? Um, let's talk about Cameroon. Mm. Um, I saw them described on the BBC as unfortunate to lose this one. Yeah, so the, the pattern of this match, just to give a, a quick recap of the game, first of all, the pattern of this match was established pretty early on where Switzerland were looking to get on the ball and Cameroon were quite happy to, to sit back and stay compact. And uh, in the first half, Switzerland were funneling a lot of their play into the power cube and Ruben Vargas and, and the wide areas. But it was similar to how Croatia played against Morocco on Wednesday where control didn't really equal chances and Cameroon didn't face a single shot on target in the first half. Cameroon, as you kind of referenced there, Ryan, I was relatively impressed with some of the things that I, I saw from them. There's, there's a ceiling to how much I can yeah, praise qualified them. Qualified praise Exactly, <laughs> yes. Keep in mind, this was not the best of matches, but nonetheless, right. there, was, there was some stuff that I, I liked from them um, and they were quite dangerous. They looked relatively dangerous on the counter when they were able to get out from the low block and the first opportunity of the match comes from a direct vertical pass from uh, which uh, goes into Brian Buemo and that was saved by Summer, and then Toko Akambi, he puts the rebound over. But the front three of Mbwemo, Toko Akambi, and then the new and improved Robert Lewandowski, uh, Eric Chopin Moting, they were fairly lively, and there was space in behind the, the Swiss fullbacks, and the, the two wide men in particular, I thought did well to exploit at times some of that space. And if you look at the pass map from Toko Akambi, you see how many of them were back inside for someone, usually Hongla, to play the ball forward into space. So in the first half, Cameroon looked the more Cameroon looked the the more dangerous of the two teams. Then Switzerland basically scored the goal that Cameroon wanted to score up until that point, a thirteen pass sequence with which ends with Mbolo scoring. And beyond that, Switzerland did a really good job of managing the game, and Cameroon didn't really get back into it past that point. But even though it's a defeat for Cameroon, I want to see more of the good things that they did mm. in, in their next couple of games. But it is going to be difficult for them in that group now that they have suffered defeat in their first game. Yeah, definitely so. As you say, both these teams got to face Brazil, so not getting points in this game. Uh, somewhat damaging for Cameroon. Taylor, what did you make of this one? What did you make of Switzerland? I thought, um, well, well did, do you think they were 
good for the three points here. Jan Sommer was tested a few times, as Graham said. Yeah, actually, I'm going to ask Joe a question because I have an idea about uh, Switzerland, specifically their defense. But Joe is, is the stat man who knows these things. So I will ask him for his expertise. When I look at this one, as, as you all said in the beginning, there's an idea that like maybe Cameroon a little bit hard done by not to get a point or not to get something out of this one. Uh, the XG being 0.74 isn't great, but it still means like, yeah, maybe they're around a goal. But Joe, I look at the numbers from there and it's a lot of shots, but a lot of shots that are very low percentage. So are you inclined to give that as like Cameroon should have done better? I know you love that one. Or is that more so uh, Switzerland doing a very good job defensively to limit clear-cut opportunities? I I think it's a combination of two things, Taylor. The first is Switzerland doing a fairly good job of denying opportunities. I think you look at those numbers. Cameroon took eight shots, which is enough, but not a lot. It was Mm -hmm. one more than Switzerland had in this game. But they are from a lot of low-quality areas. There was one from outside the box and a good chunk sort of outside the width of the six-yard box. Those are not easy shots to convert, even though we we do sort of think of them as being simple. It's hard to score goals in soccer. That's one bit to credit Switzerland. The other bit is, Graham, I agree with you. uh, Cameroon, not Costa Rica, excuse me. Cameroon did some good things in this game. I like bits and pieces of their attack, and I highlighted that in my preview. I don't think Cameroon is particularly well-drilled or well-structured in the attack, and that's not unique. They're not the only team that has that. Poland, we discussed about that. There's lots of teams that fit into this category. It looked to me like there wasn't always a lot of method to their attacking madness, which I think contributes a bit to why they don't get on the score sheet. I watched this game. I don't think Cameroon were particularly hard done by. Frankly, I thought Switzerland were the slightly better team, if only slightly. So that's kind of where I land on the whole Cameroon Mm. attacking thing. What was the specific prediction for this one? Who had one for that one? Uh, oh, it was me. I predicted that Nuhu was going to do something Nuhu-y. He didn't really. There was no catastrophic defensive error or no really brilliant attacking moment. It was kind of just a standard run-of-the-mill fullback yeah. performance. The so one thing I guess that could sort of count is he is the one who tries to close down Shakiri before Shakiri plays the ball in for Mbolo. Maybe it's a bit slow, but I don't think that's a new who moment. He didn't kick a beer can, although that was never going to happen in Qatar. I'll, it definitely wasn't. Yeah, I'll do one quick beat on Switzerland. <laughs> Binoculars full of booze, maybe. We saw that one happen. We did. We did see that. Maybe he, he uh, boots those through to Rosie. One beat on Switzerland. I, I don't think they were fantastic in this game, but they did have a couple of nice attacking patterns that I, I picked up on. I thought them either funneling play or, or driving play down their right side and playing through Shakiri as a playmaker or starting possession maybe on the left and switching it slowly over to the right side, which is what they did for that goal that Mbolo scores. The the play goes from left over to the right. Shakiri plays the ball into Mbolo. Switzerland did take a lot of high-quality shots in this game. They did a pretty good job of getting into that six-yard box central area. That's where you want to be shooting from, which is why they only took seven shots, but their XG was so high in this match. Watching how they progress down that right wing and play through Shakiri watching how Xhaka and Freuler get on the ball and funnel it out to Shakiri, and then Shakiri finding, uh, whether it's Mbolo or maybe a, another winger making a run, maybe it's Vargas crashing from the left side. That was somewhat promising for Switzerland, and we'll see if that pattern returns yeah. over their final two games it's, at the group stage. It's sort of amazing how Shakiri continues to produce for uh, Switzerland in the big matches. I read that he's had a direct hand in half of all the goals Switzerland have scored at their last four major tournaments. Maybe the well, Chicago Fire are Yeah, I was going to say, Cup, right? I bet the Chicago Fire <laughs> wish they could sign that player. Yeah, yeah. Well, they'll be World Cup champions, finally, if they do that, Graham. Um, I wanted to ask about two promoting Taylor, who was rumoured to be coming to Man United. Loosely rumoured, I suppose, to replace Cristiano Ronaldo. Isn't everyone rumoured to be coming to Man United these Apple. days? Apple. Yeah. 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 Facebook. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be 400 owners with like yeah. like $11 billion between them. It's mm. going to be great. He's going to be called the iTube Emoting Pro. 
Okay. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Anything you saw in this game made you think that would be fun to have him at old I Trafford, sorry. No. Nah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, I mean he's he's been impressive for Bayern, but I think as much as I would like to give him the credit for that, that also feels to be a thing where if you can kind of were the Lewandowski understudy and now you are starting in place of him, it's a bit like the running back who does a very good imper- impersonation of the starting running back coming in, doing a good job, but that doesn't necessarily mean you should go in and, and get that person. And in this case, I think Chupa Moteng, uh, having a good time at Bayern, let's not ruin that. Let's not derail another career by having him come to Man United and uh, maybe not fit in until they have all of their billionaires in place. Wonderful stuff. Graham, either of these teams go through, do you think? Uh, Switzerland seemed to do it defying logic every time so yeah i guess so <laughs> so them or serbia right so we yeah. shall see there uh the other game we are going to discuss uh from the 5 a.m crew if memory serves correct uruguay nil now this was the 8 a.m game it wasn't yeah it? uruguay nil south korea it was that memorable it stuck in my mind that hard <laughs> that i remember the specific time it happened i mean joe of every world cup match in history this was one of them yeah, it, it really was. Would you say in your intro that if you're having trouble sleeping, put this on in the background? Yeah, yeah. It did have a lot of that to it. I'll give a brief rundown of sort of what I thought the game was like. It was a lot of passing around somewhat sloppily. Neither team really ever finding a huge groove. Neither team creating all that much either. I didn't love this performance from Uruguay, and I thought they would be a little bit better in this match than they were. South Korea were also fine, but a bit bland. Kyung Min Son didn't do a lot for them, although he was trying to create from the left, cutting in on his right foot. Mm. It seemed like for me, South Korea, most of their attacking moves ended with either a turnover or a cross, and that is a lot of what we see in international soccer from time to time. One thing that disappointed me about this game was Darwin Nunez, who I was looking forward to watching. He had uh, a 55% pass completion rate. 55%. That's... That's really low, really, really low. It was lower than any of his Premier League games this season, according to Opta. He did not play well. I think there were several moments in this game where we noted that he was playing a pass to not the right person or just struggling with his touch. I mean, it was not a performance that Darwin Nunez will want to watch back before he goes to bed. I'll say that much. Just disappointing a bit for Mm -hmm. both teams. I think South Korea are probably a little happier on the day about getting this point, but... Yeah, like you said, Ryan, not a yeah. memorable game particularly. I don't have the numbers, Joe, but I feel like every Uruguay player will have low pass completion, or attacking yeah. player, I should say, because the final ball seem to be terrible every time. Yeah, and not only that, in the first half, this is a, a, a stat that I've got uh, noted down. In the first half, 12% of, of all the passes played by both teams, not just Uruguay, were long balls. So mm-hmm. that tells you what the focus was for, for both teams. And that's maybe not surprising with South Korea. They're, they're trying to get... Son and behind but that was that was a surprising aspect of their game was Son seemed to be out on the left side he seemed to be playing in front of the Uruguayan defense and look some of that is because of the low defensive Uruguayan block he doesn't really have a choice but I thought we'd see a lot more of South Korea trying to immediately get him in behind and we never really had that moment from him despite the fact there was so much speculation and reporting about his whether he was going to be fit enough to play then he does play and it was a bit disappointing we didn't really see the best Son in this match we did get the meme moment of him making a weird face from behind the mask yes we did in like the fifth minute enjoyed that yeah uh, as did I. Uh, I I did not get my prediction point for this one I thought Fede Valverde would cover the most distance he was second I think it's really Ooh. interesting that Darwin Nunez was third and part of that I'm assuming is because he was doing some defensive work he was coming back onto the left side but I also have to believe a lot of that was that sort of long ball the direct play him making a lot of runs in behind trying to make something happen and I think that also tells a little bit of the tale that he is covering ground both uh, in defense also trying to get into the attack and not really having much joy. I did not think this was a particularly impressive game for him, uh, though I think he finishes it out. It's Cavani coming on for Suarez, right? Yeah. Uh, But still, I think Nunez, 
it's just like like I said this when we were watching it that Community Shield game, which we should never give weight to the Community Shield game, but it did feel like oh the, he's they figured it out this guy's gonna be that next level player for them and to see him since then it feels like there's always just a little thing off a little thing missing and even with Uruguay in this game it just it wasn't quite there I hope that changes throughout this tournament because I think he could be a really special player. All right. I like this uh, this note from Jonathan Wilson in his uh, match report of this game. There appears to be three sorts of games at this World Cup. There yeah. are games in which the stronger team batters the weaker team, Spain, England, France. There are shocks in which the stronger team is undone by an opponent that's slightly better than is anticipated, Saudi Arabia and Japan. And there are evenly matched games in which nothing much happens. This. <laughs> so I, mean, I, I quite like the categorization there. I do too. Like, a more cynical person might say, like, isn't that a fancy way of saying there are games in which uh, the good team wins, there are games in which the good team doesn't win, and then there are games when two teams play evenly and one of them maybe ends up winning? This sounded better, though. Yeah, it does. It <laughs> yeah. just feels like, yeah, that's that's about how the sport goes sometimes. Jonathan yeah. Wilson, the genius, Taylor. Come <laughs> yes, on. Of course. Brain in a jar. Brain in a jar. All right. Any more for any more on this game before we move on, gents? Uh, I, I, I will just say, having done the Uruguay preview, I was pretty disappointed right. in this performance. I, and I think part of that... Maybe incorrectly, I think because I wasn't sure Son would play. So I did think this would be a pretty vulnerable Korea team. I thought if you don't have Son or if he's not fully fit, they're going to be more defensive. It's going to allow for Uruguay to have more possession, to move the ball around. They have such good technical ability in the midfield. I mean, even in the defense, we saw Godin stride forward on occasion. Same thing for Jimenez. Uh, The attack has youth, but also experience. I expected more from Uruguay, and I thought this was a... A frustrating performance, uh, broadly speaking, but also when we're looking at the teams that we've seen so far, we're going to do a Patreon episode about now that we've seen everybody who's impressed, who hasn't impressed, who are like the, the teams we think are, are most likely to go far. Uruguay feel like a team that could go uh, like on maybe this, the downside, a team that maybe isn't uh, as strong, isn't as likely to make a run. And that's not where I expect them to be uh, at this point. All right, good stuff. If you tune into our Patreon feed, uh, we're going to be talking in detail about the teams we've seen so far. We've seen every team, all 32 of them, Joe. We're going to talk about the best ones and the worst ones so far. But just a quick whistle wetter, Graham. That was hard to say for this one. Um, are you including England in your team of the, mo- uh, of the most impressive teams? What do you think? Yes, 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 yes. No, it's going to take a lot more than six goals for me to include England. Seven? <laughs> um, well, a team that did score seven actually probably have been the most impressive yeah. for, for me, Spain. I am pretty hot on Spain right now. I expected them to be good at this tournament. And I know they p- they played Costa Rica, who might be one of the weaker teams in this tournament. No, they, they are. Yeah, no, they are. <laughs> okay, thanks, Joe, for that <laughs> clarification. But nonetheless, kind of reading in, yeah. into their performance, yeah. there was a lot to like in there. I think they'll be able to replicate that against stronger teams. So, I yeah, I think Spain so far for me have been the best team so far. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one because we've had certain... Uh, games in which we have to we we have to remind ourselves maybe it's the opponent who isn't particularly strong. So that might be England versus Iran. That might be Ecuador versus Qatar. Uh, oh, and then even France versus Australia. It's sort of like they could be very good. It might also be that they were playing a very bad opponent. And with Spain, I think it's the case that they were playing an opponent that was not very good on the day and didn't look particularly strong, and they still were incredibly impressive. So even mm. if it was weak opposition, I still have Spain at the very top of my list. All right, let's find out who else is on that list and who is at the bottom of those rankings on yeah. our Patreon. But for now, one last thing to do on this here podcast, our very specific predictions for Friday's slate of games. The 5am gang 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 is going to be uh, watching Iran versus Wales. And then at 8, we've got Qatar taking on Senegal and Qatar the host second game of this tournament the 11am Eastern game is the Netherlands taking on Ecuador and then 2pm Eastern 
the big one. England 2, USA nil. Can't wait for that one to happen. Uh, let's go around Hold the table up. and start getting our BSPs <laughs> in, though. Joe, uh, give us one for Iran versus Wales. The early game, the other game from Group B. So Iran are the ones who got battered between these two teams, but I thought both of them were pretty poor on match day one in Group B. I'm going to say that neither team will have more than 80%, 80% pass completion percentages, <laughs> which is just code for both are bad at having the ball. Wales <laughs> were bad at having the ball. Even in the second half, they really weren't all that good at having the ball against the U.S. And Iran just... I I feel for Iran and a lot of the players in, in the off-field situation that they are trying to process, I would imagine, and, and sort through. That was just a bad performance. Yeah. It was a really... One of the worst soccer games I've seen from a single team in a long time. So I'm saying both teams are going to have less than 80% pass completion percentages. I'm just hoping that soccer ends in a draw. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I agree with you. I think it's like... I feel like it's going to be like World War One style, like both of them just in no, their you trenches go. on no, opposite you go. sides. Like, no, you. No, you. Just lobbing it back. It's going to be soccer tennis in that way. It's just going to be lobbing it back and forth, and we'll see what happens. Very good indeed. The 8 a.m. game, Qatar versus Senegal. Taylor, what you thinking here? All right, Joe, I'm going with numbers here. So you, Ooh, tell, me, you tell me what you think of this. You tell me what you think of this. Okay. I am saying, first of all, that I think Senegal will or at the very least should be dominant in this game. I'm going to go with though Qatar. Maybe we're overwhelmed by the situation and maybe in their second game there is more confidence or they are more aggressive. I still think Senegal were the more impressive of those two teams in their openers. So I think Senegal will win. Yeah. I think they will be much more aggressive. So I have it as Senegal will uh, attempt 100 or... 130 or more line breaks in okay. this game. Uh, looking at their past game, Senegal attempted 110 versus the Netherlands. Ecuador went for 124 versus Qatar in that opener. So I think uh, Senegal will be equal to the number that the uh, the Dutch went for. I think they're going to really, really be aggressive uh, against Qatar, and they're going to try to play in behind, break some lines, score some goals. Yeah, I like that a lot. And, and you clarified I was going to do it. Line mm-hmm. breaks, basically, FIFA's recording a bunch of these stats, and they're putting them out on the internet and referencing them on the broadcast. That's just if you try to complete a line-breaking pass. That's all it is, breaking through a, a, some sort of line of the opposing defense. I love it, Taylor. Good good number use. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you, my friend. I also think that's that's partially to do with if Qatar are sort of going for it, I think they will then leave some space. Yes. There will be opportunities to play through that. So I think in that way, Senegal also going to be a, a strong team. The precursor to England versus USA. Thanks, Joe. Uh, Joe, give me a thumbs up, ladies. ladies Netherlands versus Ecuador. Graham, your very specific prediction. So my VSP for that game is that there will be an instance where one of either Pervis Estebanan or Denzel Dumfries hey. carries the ball a long way up the wing, loses the ball, and then the other player <laughs> carries the ball in the opposite direction immediately afterwards. Um, those two are going to chase each other. This is my favorite other. prediction that's been made. Me too, this is good. <laughs> those two are going to chase each other for 90 minutes. They're, they're both such an important part of, to be serious for a second about the, like the game plan yeah. of what it tells about the game, they're both such an important part of how their teams progress the ball, and they will have a whole wing to themselves. So I think at times it could be a track meet, almost to a comedic effect. So yeah, that's, that's my VSP for that game. All right, let's get to VSPs for England versus USA. Just for a larf, we're all going to give one, shall we? Should we do that? Kind of forgot we were going to do that. Can I go last? Sure you can. I'll go first then in the spirit of things. Uh, My prediction is that England, I'm sorry to say this, listener, are going to win 1-0 or 2-0. So it's going to be under two and a half goals, but specifically a 1-0 or 2-0 win for England. Uh, England have won eight of their 11 meetings with the US. The US haven't beaten a European team in their last 10 World Cup matches. 
Obviously, it's going to be a first half, second half situation, I think, here, Joe. I think if England can contain that early press, that early pressure from the US, they should come out on top of this one because England tend to do better in the second half, and particularly the second half of the second half when you look at England in, in these big tournament games, whereas that's a time when the US kind of, the productivity goes down a little bit. So I think this game is won in the second half, and I think... I don't think it's going to be a blowout win. I think it could be pretty cagey, particularly that first half. But all of the US's last four games have been under two and a half goals. Two of the last three meetings between these sides, under two and a half goals. So I think a 1-0 or a 2-0 win for England, that's what I'm going with. I think it's fair. I hate to say this. I think that is a very fair prediction. I wrote an article for Backfield along with Jamin Moore before this tournament started about how the US's secret, the, the US's superpower, excuse me, in this tournament really is their defending They have still yet under Greg Berhalter to develop a really cohesive attacking identity. It seems to vary from game to game and even from half to half, as you mentioned there, Ryan. Defensively, the U.S., I think, is quite good, right? They can be very disciplined. The only reason why they give up a goal against Wales is is the Walker Zimmerman uh, slip up defensively. Mm -hmm. It is in the box that gives up the penalty. I think the U.S. is a very strong defensive team. And England, I don't think, is nearly as good in the attack as they showed against Iran because Iran made them look good. So, Ryan, I, I think a low-scoring game, now I'm hoping it goes a slightly different way, but a low-scoring <laughs> game feels like a good bet to me. All right, thank you very much. Graham Rutherford, your VSP for this game. So my VSP is that Tyler Adams will regain <gasps> possession 20 yeah. or more times. You've got to pick another one now. I've got to scramble now. Yeah, so it seems that I've, I've stolen uh, Taylor's thunder there. But yeah, I've gone with uh, Tyler Adams to That's regain possession. That's what you get going last. I know. Possession 20 or more times. He made more possession regains than any other player against Wales. That number was 11. I think he's going to have to be even sharper to stop England from playing through the US on, on, on Friday. So I think that number of 11 is going to inflate quite a bit. I also predict that Ryan will stand for the national anthem and Taylor, Joe and I will all be quietly furious about it. Yeah, Why would that good. make you angry, me being patriotic? Just Do you need an answer? <laughs> something about it. <laughs> so, so you said he's going to recover the ball 20 times? Yes. Light work. Wow. I it's a 10-minute job for Tyler Adams. Six against Wales. No, 11. 11 against Wales. Oh, okay. All right. We're, uh, we had different numbers. Yours were better. Who's, uh, who's, who's being sloppy on England to make that happen? Uh, Declan Rice. Declan Rice, yeah. Harry Maguire, if he's playing. Mm. Come on. Recoveries off Harry Maguire from... T- okay. All right. All right. Maybe it's a <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. I, I just think uh, England are going to have so much of the ball in that game that that number is going to naturally inflate. And that okay. was FIFA's numbers that said 11. So that gave me a benchmark. And I think the US is going to be bunkered for more of that yep. game. So it makes sense that that number would be higher. Fair dues. Joseph, yours. Fair dues. Wow. I love how many new Ryan phrases I've learned over the last fair week. Fair dues, Gavna. Fair dues. I said goodnight to Ryan last night. He said goodnight squire for no reason yeah yeah all right anyway and you cleverly made it sound medieval because of knight and squire i didn't even see that one yeah i wasn't ryan wasn't trying to be clever anyway my vsp maybe <laughs> taylor maybe i'm giving too much to brawl here Grant. maybe i am but i'm predicting that someone other than christian pulisic will take the set pieces i'm hoping that the coaching staff has seen the light that they have not seen really since christian pulisic started playing international soccer and I'm hoping that someone who can do better than one for six in terms of completing <laughs> set pieces and putting the ball on someone's head and when it is to someone, maybe not to Brendan Aronson at the back post, I'm hoping that someone other than Christian Pulisic is going to take the set pieces. So I'm speaking it into existence right now by VSPing it on this show. Somebody other than Pulisic is going to take the set pieces. Okay. Um, Taylor, have you thought of a very specific prediction or should we play all eight minutes of November Rain while you're waiting? We should do that anyway, okay. uh, and then hopefully not get sued. I was uh, going to say. I have my... It's it's frustrating, though, because the, the Tyler Adams one is great, Graham. It is also 
I think slightly like optimistic in the sense of like, oh, they're going to be frustrating England. There's going to be opportunities to win the ball back. England may be a little bit wasteful. It could be good. I'm going negative. Tim Weah will have fewer than 20 touches in the first half. I think if the United States is conservative, if they are sitting deep, if they are looking long for him as the vertical threat, I think that doesn't give him much time on the ball, many opportunities. I think it's going to be a lot of him uh, doing defensive work and then trying to facilitate facilitate transitions to attack. He will do it as easily as I said those words. Uh, so I think he won't get as many touches on the ball. My hope would be that as the game goes on, which is why I haven't said anything about the second half, that is a, a stronger performance from him, mm. both on the ball and in front of goal. If that one comes in, do you think George Weah will tweet, uh, my son, Timothy <laughs> Weah? Has <laughs> less than 21 touches, yeah. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be like, congratulations to Timothy Weah, my son, Him. for having a goal again. Like, it, it's, very, it's very formal. Yeah, Gotta love I like it. it. Gotta yes. love it. All right, I think we should consider this pod thoroughly casted. Joe Lowry, thank you very much for your contributions. Yeah, right back at you, Ryan. Taylor Rockwell, thank you, sir. Right back at you, my friend. Graham Rutherland, thank you, and don't you worry about me standing up for the anthem. It'll be fine. You don't need to worry yourself. <laughs> I, I will, but thank you anyway, Ryan Billy. <laughs> Listener, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you had fun. We'll be back on the feed with a review of USA England and all of those games from Friday's slate tomorrow. But for now, bye! Slash it.